all across America and around the world. This is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. Welcome to Veterans Radio. I am Jim Fossone. I'm the officer of the deck today. We've got some great programs for you. I think you'll find very interesting. We always want to remind you, you can find more about Veterans Radio at its Facebook site or by going to veteransradio.net where we're on the web 24-7. You can find a lot of our podcasts there as well. We post new ones every Tuesday, so you can get a new story, a new interview, something you didn't know before by going to veteransradio.net. And before we get started, we want to thank our sponsors. First up, we want to thank National Veteran Business Development Council, nvbdc.org. It was established to certify both service-disabled and veteran-owned businesses. You'll find out how they can help your business by going to nvbdc.org. We want to thank Legal Help for Veterans. Legal Help for Veterans fights for veterans' disability rights all across the nation. You can reach them at 800-693-4800 or on the web at LegalHelpForVeterans.com. As we go into the new year, it's incredible, we're in 2023, we're going to tell you a story about an organization that helps students and families, high school students and families, who joined the military. Really cool idea, and one that you can bring to your community this spring around graduation time. It's a really great grassroots organization our community salutes. Then, if you've ever eaten an MRE or SOS, you're going to want to learn about what the military is doing to teach uh, its cooks about living off the land to feed future warriors. So we got a story on that. And then finally, we got a really cool artist songwriter on to talk about uh, something that he's written that struck a chord with nvbdc.org, and, and they kind of put us together, and you're going to hear his most recent song. So very cool program today. Stick around. We want to welcome to Veterans Radio today, Dr. Kenneth Hartman. He's here to talk about a great national program called our community salutes. Uh, Dr. Hartman, welcome to Veterans Radio. Hey, Jim. It's an honor to, to be with you and to, and to have a few words with your listeners. Well, we're glad to have you on. Um, uh, Ken is a uh, e-learning authority, a former university professor. He's uh, run uh, uh, online college uh, courses and uh, programs and uh, is a former uh, Army officer. He's got degrees from the State University of New York, uh, from Michigan State University, and the University of Pennsylvania. And all those confluences came together because he kind of not only has education in military, but understanding kids. And in 2009 in, in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, lightning struck, and, and you thought, you know what? Here's something I should be doing. Tell us how our community salutes came about. Yeah, it really was lightning. Uh, actually, it was 
uh, a moment of weakness when I agreed to serve in our local <laughs> school board here. Uh, and it was on that school board uh, that I discovered that we were doing nothing to recognize and, and, and honor the kids who were graduating from our high schools and who were enlisting. The kids who were going off and doing ROTC like I did a million years ago and certainly the kids going off the academies, they, they got recognized and their moms and dads were made to feel, feel special. But you know, for the small number of kids that whose kids, those parents, literally, I, I saw them going underground because they were tired of defending their son or daughter's decision to serve. I'm sure in communities like yours, you know, if, when people ask a uh, son or daughter, you know, uh, so what's your son doing next year? And they, they, I, they would say, well, I, you know, what college is he going to? Is he going to Michigan State, Michigan? And, you know, parents would say, here, no, 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 he, he's going to the Army. And they would hear, oh, what? Army? Well, well, what happened? Are you okay with that? So I decided... Uh, to uh, to do something about it. that's when we had our I, I held our first event uh, in, in in the in May of 2009. I wasn't sure how I was going to pay for it, where I was going to have it, who was going to come, but I wanted to honor all the kids in our county, and that was the first year we had a tremendous event. Uh, I got 60 some odd kids, about 200 people. I found a retired one star in my community, and what happens has happened over the past 15 years is the word has gotten out about what we've done and. And we've grown. We've grown from one community to 20 communities to 30 communities to 40 communities to 50 communities all over the country. And, and, and as you know, right there in Detroit, uh, we've had a ceremony for the kids uh, from Detroit who are enlisting for upwards of the last five or six years. So. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's been quite a movement over the last fifteen years. Well, this supports not only the kids, but as you say, their 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 families, their parents, on this important decision that's getting made by fewer and fewer of us in the country. But did it start out to support the kids or the or the parents? Uh, how did you both. think it would develop? Both. You know, I, like I said, I saw these parents literally going underground, tired of defending their mom's bad decision. Again, back in 2009, these kids were going out, still going off to war. And uh, so it was critically important uh, to do that. I, I should tell you also uh, that I had a very good friend of mine at that time whose son went into the Marine Corps and uh, was uh, delayed going to college, decided to go to the Marine Corps. And in the first month he was in Afghanistan, he was killed by a suicide bomber. And when he came home, everybody in the community turned out to rally around this kid and his family. But but the mother told me at the time uh, that there was nobody there when he decided to enlist. In fact, they questioned his decision. So our motto is the first to say thank you, um, and and I and, and and for that very reason. But so it was about the kids, it's about the parents, it's about our nation, uh, and the need for these young people to to be willing to stand in the watchtower. So the rest of us have the liberties and freedoms that, that, that we enjoy. Oh, absolutely. We have to encourage these the, 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 these kids who sign up and, and support their families because these are hard decisions. And we're so, such a um, social media visual society now. When a kid decides he's going to play baseball or softball or at, at the local uh, college or community college or maybe it's a Division One, there's a big signing day and there's photographs taken. It's a big deal. But, you know, I, I sort of see what you're trying to do with our community salutes somewhat in that same vein. Absolutely. Yeah, people have called this kind of their signing day, their signing ceremony. And, and, and I think that's great because it does bring that recognition to them and their families. Um, and uh, that that a D1 athlete would get, 
um, or certainly, you know, Michigan State or Michigan has a new student reception. Um, they get that. So, yes, it is their signing date, so to speak. Now, is this done in uh, conjunction with or supported by or is totally separate from whatever the military recruiters are doing in, in a given area so, all across good, the nation? Great question. So we work very closely with the, the recruiting commands. Uh, in fact, I just uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, uh, I had a briefing with the new incoming commanding general for Army recruiting. So we work very closely with them at a national level. In fact, many of those commanders uh, speak. Uh, the, the commanding general for Air Force recruiting, Major General Thomas, was the speaker at my ceremony here in South Jersey this past May. And the reason why these recruiters at local and national level uh, are involved with OCS is not only because it's a good thing, but what they have found is that the kids who come to our ceremony, nearly 100% of them actually get on the bus. And so it helps them with retention. Uh, again, you can't come to our ceremony unless you've already taken that oath. Uh, but when they do, and they're surrounded by people like you and your listeners, the moms and dads and the kids finally get it, and they and and they and they get on the bus, and they do very very well. So that's we rely on them, we honor them, we have all sorts of awards for them for their support. But uh, that's the relationship between the, the individual communities and the and the recruiting commands. Well, it's it's really is complementary, and as you say, you've been doing this long enough that you've got some data now. And for uh, I'll call you an old educator, um, mm-hmm. for an old educator, data data is like, really like, important, isn't it? I like to refer to myself as a recovering educator, oh, but okay. that's fine. <laughs> But but you now have some data that really helps prove the point not only in, hey, getting these kids on the bus, but sort of the return on investment to making that decision about uh, joining up as well, don't yeah, you? we do. In fact, you know, this past May we had a, a giant ceremony in Boston where the, uh, where the uh, chief of staff of the Army, General McConvo, was the featured military speaker. And 750 people, there were 350-some-odd kids at Gillette Stadium in, in Boston – and so there you have the, you know, the chief of staff of the army seeing firsthand the impact and the, and the tears in the parents' eyes. And, and he got it. In fact, I'll be meeting with him in the Pentagon on the 23rd of September, uh, to talk about, uh, you know, what the army could do to further support OCS. But yeah, it, it, it you know, it's the challenge is always is that, you know, as you know very well, people change commands every two years. Recruiters turn over every two years. Uh, commanding generals return two years. So, I'm, I constantly finding myself educating the, our, 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 our elected leaders and our military leaders themselves on what we do. Well, and the type of recruit has really changed over the years, too, because what we need, you know, back in my day, there was no cyber force. There, there was, you know, we, we need, uh, you know, kids who are smarter, more analytical, more technology driven. And I, I think that's probably also somewhat interesting to see when these kids get together at your events that they have a lot of commonality and interest that they might not think they otherwise had. Absolutely. Yeah. And and today, unlike, you know, in our day, uh, they're offering these kids anywhere between 10 uh, and $50,000 signing bonus. I, I saw a thing on the news the other day, NBC reported that the Navy is offering upwards of a hundred thousand dollars signing bonus for certain MOSs, certain technical MOSs as well. So you know there is a, a tremendous pathway for for these young people um, if they if they choose to take that. 
And talk a little bit about the uh, article you recently wrote, the op-ed, on, and that kind of compared the college and high school decision-making. Hey, I'm going into college or I'm going off to the uh, military and the return on investment on that decision. Yeah, sure. Anybody can read it by going to our website at ocsusa.org. That's OCS, uh, uh, Oscar Charlie Sierra, ocsusa.org. It's on our website. But, uh, you know, as I said, as, as, a, as a recovery university pr- president, I, I, I got tired of everybody saying everybody's got to go to college. And this is long before the, you know, the, the, the discussion now about forgiving student loans came about when I wrote this thing. But uh, it shows really what the ROI is. Four years in the military, because 75 percent of the kids who enlist in the military today will only serve for four years. That's it. And they're getting out. And so if you compare what a four year college degree uh, offers and what and the amount of debt, uh, the lack of actual any meaningful real work experience compared to a person getting uh, four years of military experience, oftentimes getting secret clearance, making money, and then getting out and basically having the GI Bill that will pay for all of their education plus housing, it's hard to argue against the ROI versus one versus the other. Now, again, I'm not suggesting that everybody should serve in the military. Uh, not at all. Uh, unfortunately, however, only 8% of young people today have even an interest in doing that, and less than 23% are even qualified to do that. But it does provide uh, 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 people a perspective. You know, one of the things we do at our ceremony all the time here locally is we always bring back a kid who was a senior the year before and has been on active duty for one year. We make sure we bring back a, a, a soldier or sailor or airman or marine who has uh, already earned, just from their military schooling alone in the first uh, year, upwards of 60 college credits, ACE-approved American College of Education, ACE-approved college credits, because we want the parents to see that just by going in the military, just by completing your military schooling your first year, you could earn upwards of 60 college credits that you can apply, almost an associate degree. So you go back to the RI, right? One person is paying for those 60 degrees. The other person is being paid to get the 60 degrees, yeah, 60 it's, college credits. It, it's really and surprising. Really, yeah, really, it, it's, it's really eye-opening when you look at it. Yeah, it's really surprising how much training in whatever field you get put into or want to get into that the military will do for you. There, the, you know, That's really what they do is they shape young folks, uh, get them through that growing up period, but train them up whether they're going to be uh, in the medical field or, or a diesel mechanic or uh, a jet mechanic or in the cyber area. There's just a whole lot of training that goes on that's so valuable for down the road. How many how many communities um, are involved in this Our Community Salutes uh, program? So uh, we've had upwards of, of 60 communities across the country, including Puerto Rico. And this past year, we had two events in U.S. Virgin Islands, both in St. Croix and in St. Thomas. Um, you know, it, it goes up and down, uh, depending upon the volunteers. Uh, some years we've gone dark, some years we've come back, because it truly is a, a grassroots effort, and we rely on our volunteers to do that. Uh, but I have to tell you, breaking news, we just received a significant grant uh, from a foundation to really scale up OCS over the next three years. So we're going to be looking uh, for communities around the country who are interested in working with us uh, to, 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 to make sure that these young people, and remember, there's only about 150,000 kids in a good year that, that make this decision. 
And so if we as a nation can't figure out a way to make sure they have their signing day, then they get that recognition, uh, then we're, we're bigger problems and bigger trouble than we all care to admit. So we're really excited about this, this grant that we've received, literally just found out about it last week. And we're in the process now of, of putting together the team to, to, to rapidly expand what we're doing across the country. There you go. We're breaking news with uh, breaking news. Dr. Yeah, first, Kenneth Hartman, uh, uh, founder of our Community Salutes, Army veteran, uh, educator, and really on to something that I think was sorely missing, and that is to give those 150,000 kids their signing day and, and to make sure that they understand their community supports them going into the service and will be there to support them when they come out of service as well. Hey, Jim, can I, can I offer your listeners one easy way to they recognize these kids? Absolutely. Absolutely. If they come to our website, we have a virtual thank you card that they can sign. We started it, just started for the class of, uh, of, of 2023. They can go under our website, sign that virtual thank you card to the class of 2023. Our goal is to get 1 million Americans to sign that virtual thank you card by the 4th of July. Uh, so that's an easy way at ocsusa.org, and they can sign it, and they can a- add a little comment or thoughts. It will go a long way. And if you go to the website, go over and get uh, at the top, there'll be a button that says Get Involved, and that's where you can click yeah. on to click on the thank you card, um, as well as learn more about our community salutes and all the good work that they are doing. Um, if you wanted to get involved with your local community and said, hey, I see it's, you know, in the communities, it, it shows that there's one here in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, mm-hmm. How do I get myself involved if I'm down there in Baton Rouge or, or uh, even maybe I want my kid to know uh, that he should go do this? Yes. Just come to the website. There's a, there's a, uh, a form that you can fill out. Uh, we get them all the time uh, uh, from people that are interested in getting involved at, or supporting their local event, and we respond to those as soon as we get them. But, you know, if people want to write to me directly, they can reach me at, at simply at Ken, K-E-N, at OCSUSA.org, and that's Ken at OCSUSA.org, and you can email me directly, and I'll put you in touch with our local community leaders. So there's really no excuse if you're out there, you're a parent, a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt, and you know your uh, relative's going to join up uh, in the spring, maybe he's already committed, uh, to get him involved in this kind of local thank you uh, at your local community level so that, again, going in, he or she appreciates, hey, my community does support me, and that's the whole idea between our community salutes. Um, Jim, Jim, one of the things we have found is that uh, smart businesses, smart colleges uh, know that these kids are going to be uh, very quickly getting out of the military after 48 months or maybe maybe a little longer than that. Um, and, uh, you know, if you want these young people to come back with all of those skills and all of that maturity to work for you or to go to school at your institution, now is the time when they're going in that you – begin to express that appreciation because they will remember it uh, in, in a few years' time. And, and I'm looking at some of these, and some of them have the ceremony posted and maybe the agenda posted. So for a local community that isn't on your list and isn't doing this yet, but but somebody out there in the veteran radio listening audience, because we're hitting a national audience, says, hey, we ought to be doing something like this. Why aren't we? 
um, can they reach out and say, hey, I want to uh, start one of these in my community? Yes. There's a, there is a form on our website they can complete. Just an example, I just got one yesterday from Jacksonville, North Carolina, and I'll be talking with her tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Uh, we had a, uh, a new uh, we had a meeting not too long ago with about a dozen communities around the country, San Diego, uh, a couple in Colorado. So just go fill out that form and, and, and we'll get back to you to set up a, a conversation. We've got everything you need, all the materials, the run a show, everything you need to do a phenomenal event in your community. Um, you just need to have about five people willing to help you make it happen, and, and we'll, we'll we'll work with you on that. Yeah, we don't want to scare people off in doing this because, it, as you say, it only takes maybe five dedicated folks, and it's not a big budget item. I mean, this is a volunteer grassroots effort uh, to put these on on a given day and generally probably in May or June, right? Correct. And, you know, again, we have ceremonies that, that – uh, that uh, are you know 750 people and, and and big extravaganza and those are nice and then we have ceremonies where you have you know under 100 people uh, and and 25 kids and the moms and dads you know big big brownies and, and and the pasta and and they have a little and they do it at their local gym it, it you know it really doesn't matter where it doesn't matter how it's just you only get one shot to thank these kids right they only graduate once. And so, and they only go off to boot camp once. And so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's terribly important to take advantage of that opportunity when it, when it presents itself. Well, again, a very simple idea, um, which is often the, the foundation <laughs> of a solid program is just, if it's simple enough, we can all get it. And I think this is the sort of thing that everybody gets. Uh, you know, most of us didn't get uh, sent off with any kind of, uh, Maybe the family patted you on the back, but that was about it. Um, so it, this is com- sort of a communal event uh, where the community really gets involved, and you're not standing there alone, but with a number of other folks who are joining up uh, that day is, is really, I, I imagine, a pretty special event, isn't it, Ken? It is. It's, it, it, I tell people, short of the birth of your children and your marriage and your kids' marriage, uh, you know, it, it is such an emotional event, uh, that, it, it, that you have to experience it, um, to, to believe it. It's, it's just such a, this pent up love that these kids and particularly their moms and dads are, are, are willing to share with people, but they, they're not typically surrounded by people who, who understand or even know how to appreciate decision that their son or daughter is going to every our culture is all about going to college going to college going to college and that's fine uh it's meant for some people but there are people who are delaying that college experience willing to be in the watchtower so their fellow classmates can do that right after high school and for those kids this is their opportunity for those families this is their opportunity uh and for those communities the opportunity to, to be the first to say thank you so yeah, it's 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 it it, it you, we don't need to make it any more complex than it is. Well, and one of the things that's happened in our country is that uh, military recruits tend to come from the south, where there are bases, or there's a family history of military service, and this mm-hmm. is a great way to broaden that out. 
you certainly have uh, ceremonies in uh, areas like Detroit, Michigan, where there's no base, or in Indiana. I don't see any in Illinois. Come on, Illinois, we need you to get involved here. <laughs> um, you know, Wisconsin, some areas where, again, there's not a deep-rooted pool and those kids probably need more support than anybody else. So, so let's go yeah. to the website, uh, ocsusa.org. Let's click on where there were ceremonies in 2022, and let's uh, let's generate some more communities all around the country that help support this uh, great program. Uh, Ken, you mentioned you got a nice grant. That's uh, wonderful. But if people like this idea and want to help out, how do they do that as well? Oh, absolutely. Uh, they can come to our website and and, and make a donation. Uh, one of the things where uh, there's a button there. One of the things that we're uh, we're pushing for is uh, helping us support our our our. We give away a little 96 page guide to our 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 nation's founding documents and our history. It's a little pocket guide that we give all the way to the kids. Uh, and uh, with Constitution Day, National Constitution Day uh, this Saturday, we are uh, trying to get people to help us support that initiative to make sure these young people have this little pocket guide with them so they understand uh, what they've taken an oath to defend and protect. And if they're interested in helping us to do that, uh, make a donation uh, for every $50 they donate. We'll send that will help us to give 50 of these away. We'll send them a copy of it as well. Again, it's so important these days for these kids to understand the constitution, understand their founding documents, to understand the history of our nation. Um, and they, we, unfortunately, they don't get that in, in high school. So we're trying to provide them with this resource. So on our website, you can learn all about our pocket guide to the, our founding documents and how you can support that. And one last thing that I wanted to mention um, is you have a Colin Powell Award for guidance counselors um, who really have helped out. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, and there could be nobody better name this name for than General Colin Powell, who we all know, but what we may also not know that he spent his post-retirement years uh, really supporting higher education in uh, in New so. York. Yeah, so tell, so. tell us I, about this award. Well, I had the honor of meeting him uh, way back in the very beginning of 2009, and uh, when I asked him if we could name an award after him, he said yes. And this award is, is really intended to strengthen the relationship between the high school guidance counselors and and the and the local military recruiters because they all after all our counselors tend to be the gatekeeper, um, and so this award allows the local military recruiter to nominate a high school guidance counselor who's going above and beyond the call of duty, and they submit a form to the local OCS planning team, and then that team selects one, two, or more school counselors to be honored at that event. And again, strengthening that relationship, strengthening, allowing them to, you know, to, to meet and get into these schools. We're looking right now actually for a, a sponsor to help us to do a new award where we would honor um, high school science and math teachers. Uh, because again, as you indicated earlier, many of these new jobs that the military has are very technical and, uh, and, and we need kids who have an interest and a talent in science and math. And so we're looking at a new award this spring that, uh, and someone help us to present this award, companies, businesses, individuals, so that these recruiters can also nominate a, uh, a science, a STEM teacher, if you will, 
to to be recognized and honored at these at these events. Oh, that's a great idea. I, I want to thank Dr. Ken Hartman, founder and president of. Uh, our community salutes with spending a little time with Veterans Radio today. Again, I encourage all of our listeners to go to ocsusa.org to find out more and get involved and maybe bring this uh, event to your community to support those who are joining our military uh, and and make sure they and their family fell, feel supported on the way into military service. Ken, thank- Jim, Jim, while they're there, they can check out our new virtual Patriot wall that we just started, thanks to the support of USAA. We're putting up pictures of the kids that the parents are sending to us of them, who those who attended our ceremony this past spring. And then we're asking these parents to send us their pictures of their sons or daughters at their basic training graduation ceremony. Oh, so we want to show before and after and make sure that America sees these young people, who they are before and after, and help them reconnect uh, that. So uh, kudos and thanks to USAA for helping us make that happen. But it's important for people to see these kids now and, and certainly uh, when they get out. Ken, thanks for your time today. We really do appreciate it and keep up the good work. Thank, thanks, thanks, Jim, and thanks very much to your listeners as well. Appreciate it. So isn't that a cool idea? I know when I joined, and I'm sure when most of you joined, nobody really gave you the pat on the back. Family might have. Maybe they weren't sure. But I think it's a great idea for the community to recognize those young men and women who are joining the military after high school. So go to the website. Check it out. Let's see if OCSUSA.org is something that you want to bring to your community. Military veterans touch everyone's life. I'm guessing right now you're thinking of a veteran, a close friend, relative, maybe it's you. Even the toughest of us sometimes need help but don't know where to turn for support. You don't need special training to help a veteran in your life. Even small actions can make a world of difference. If you know a veteran in crisis, please call the Veterans Crisis Line, 800-273-8255, 800-273-8255. A message from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at 1-800-693-4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. Okay, military cooking shouldn't be an oxymoron. It shouldn't just be about eating MREs or reheating uh, food uh, in packages or rehydrating food. So the Army's kind of getting back to living off the land. I think you're going to enjoy this one. It's for all of you culinary experts. We're talking to Ben Kessling of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, he's a Marine. He's an author. He wrote a book called Bravo Company, an Afghanistan Deployment and its Aftermath. We've interviewed him on that uh, book. But along the way, an article that he wrote for the Wall Street Journal caught my attention. And I wanted to talk to him about that as well. So uh, Ben wrote, U.S. military teaches living off the land to feed future warriors. Ben, how did this idea or how did this come about to even get on your radar to write this interesting article? Well, Jim, I'm I'm all the time uh, I'm all the time, uh, you know, on Twitter and on uh, other other parts of social media. Um, just kind of looking at things, just keeping an eye on what's going on. And I saw in passing on an Instagram post uh, something about a field butchery course for soldiers. And I thought, oh, that sounds cool. I'm going to send an email to this guy and see what's see what's all about. And come to find out 
there's a the the person I emailed. Uh, his name's Jason Nart. He's out in Colorado, and he teaches uh, field butchery for all manner of troops, um, Marines, soldiers, uh, airmen, uh, and he teaches people how to how to break down an animal uh, from from living from a living breathing being into um, use the entire animal. Uh, for for feeding a squad or or a company or whatever and using using all parts of it, I thought, wow, that's that's really fascinating. And then I got to looking at sort of the some of the doctrinal stuff that's happening in the military related to this, and I've realized that the military is trying to rediscover this art of military foraging. Yeah, it's really an interesting because it's it's such a throwback. It's now it's the present now, right? We've done 20 years of war where you fly in all the food and uh, you got long convoys of food, but you you begin thinking, what if we couldn't do that? What if special right. operations are out in the field? So, that, so yeah. talk about what they were, what what as you say doctrinally, what what are they thinking about as they start putting uh, folks through this uh, uh, field butcher course? Right. Well, so. Um, you know, for as you say, for the past 20 years in Iraq and Afghanistan, we've essentially had logistical dominance over the the areas where we've been fighting, and to such so much so that uh, chow halls in Iraq and Afghanistan became known for having crab legs and ice cream at them. Which, I mean, if you're in the middle of war and you've got access to uh, to fresh ice cream. That's the stuff that uh, I mean. That's the stuff that uh, <laughs> that novels, uh, you know, war novels are written about. Um, and the so the Green Berets, they are having a certain reason why they're doing this. They uh, they have their cooks go through this course to learn how to cook um, cook uh, animals to to break them down and properly butcher them and cook them, so that they can avoid um, avoid going through some of the um, gastrointestinal issues that sometimes affect the uh, the American gut when eating local food and so they're able to to act to, to sort of be a little more uh, self-sufficient in cooking their own meat but this led me to um, to looking at the way the Marine Corps has has started using some of these some of these techniques and the Marine Corps uh, has started planning a bit for in case they're not able to have uh, to have a full logistical train available to them. So say you got a company out in the middle of nowhere. Well, they're not going to have quick access to have MREs delivered to them all the time. How are they going to live off the off the land off the land? And they're gonna they're gonna try to do ethical foraging, or that's that's at least the theory. So what most people think of when they think of a foraging right is like going around in a loincloth and like spearing frogs and stuff <laughs> and like survivalism right eating well, weeds what, and that sort of stuff yeah yeah right yeah exactly well that's not what foraging is in sort of a military doctrinal way because if you've got infantrymen and infantrywomen uh, essentially the war fighters going out um you know wearing wearing uh war paint and trying to like uh trying to gig uh gig frogs and catch squirrels you've lost all your combat power right so the war fighters uh are supposed to do the war fighting they're doing they're in defensive positions they're patrolling they're doing all that and then the logisticians and the cooks and whatnot they're doing what's known as military foraging which is living sustainably off the land that they're that they're at and that's not living sustainably off of like just nature itself that's living sustainably on the entire land ecosystem that they're around so for instance if i'm you know if i'm close to a 
if I'm close to a small like um, uh, or out out in the middle of a, of a close to a village, then I can go down to a local farmer and uh, and maybe buy some buy some animals from them. I can find the local supply that uh, supplies the grocery stores around the area and buy dry goods from them, and I can use that sort of local economy to purchase things that I then bring back and. Uh, used to prepare food for like a Marine Corps company. Uh, and that way you have sustainability. You're working with the local populace. You're doing so in a way that, uh, that links you more closely to them rather than alienates you. And, uh, and it try and, and you're able to do it without having to rely upon MREs being flown in from, you know, like from the middle of Nebraska or something all the way across the world to some uh, Pacific Island. And you cut out a lot of those logistical hiccups. Now there's a long way to go before this becomes uh, entrenched doctrine in the military, but it's something that, uh, that we're thinking about right now, especially as we look toward potential conflict um, with great powers like Russia and especially China in the Pacific. Well, it's one of the things that it, when, when I read the article and it, I told Ben earlier that when I was getting ready to interview him on Bravo Company, I, I had pulled down this article and I, you know, put these things in my bag to read over the weekend. And I'm reading this because it was just an interesting article. And then I realized, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to talk to this guy. <laughs> so, but but the Russia-Ukraine thing came to my mind as I'm reading this. You know, Ru- Russia got a lot of uh, grief early on because their logistics trains uh, didn't exist and they couldn't supply. You know, food, ammunition, fuel. Well, the you know, going to the local economy became something that we got a little sniff of in the news reporting, and I'm and I'm thinking, well, this is a little bit like that situation where you find yourself there and you've got to do something. Uh, you know, the army, if you will, moves on its stomach, right? You've got to be able to feed the troops. So, did you yeah. also, when writing, see this kind of? Old is new and replay uh, out of out of uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, well, that and that uh, came up in, in when I was talking to folks about uh, about foraging and, and what it means to forage because you know through most of history when you forage what it means is essentially you're taking whatever you want off the local land and the local populace will just have to have to deal with it uh, and part of what the part of what the Marine Corps especially is trying to teach is. Uh, how can you do this in a way that isn't just isn't just stealing from from locals? How is this? How can we do this in a way that maybe we work work with locals in a way? Now, I mean, practical application of this comes. Uh, you know, is, is it even possible for this to to to, to practically be put into place? Uh, that's a major question. But at least they're trying to think through how to do this because what we've seen in Ukraine with the with Russian troops is hey they run out of they run out of uh, food so they go and they loot local stores and that's i mean hey you know you can't put much of a fine shine on it that's that's the way foraging often looks uh when it's time to when it's time to do it is people going in and stealing stuff and that and that quickly goes from uh taking foodstuffs that you need to uh you know stories of russian uh, russian troops uh taking appliances from people's houses and whatnot and to be able to come up with a way that um to get those supplies and to keep uh, men and women in, in uniform from from doing things that they aren't supposed to, uh, and also to keep the locals from from getting angry because as we all uh, I've also seen in in Ukraine, um, Ukrainians 
aren't uh, aren't necessarily helping these Russian soldiers on the ground very very much. Um, there, as one as uh, one of the uh, men I interviewed for this uh, a, a scholar said, the uh, the locals are helping deliver um, <laughs> deliver javelins to the Russians, but uh, not uh, de- not delivering them in the way right. that, um, that right. the Russians like too much. Yeah. Well, and that that's the language about ethical foraging and living sustainably and working with the local economy is that you're inherent in that, and I think inherent in the American approach would be, hey, if 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 you're supplying us dry goods or live animals or fish, we're paying for it. We're not just taking it. Yeah, and again, like in you know, when when push comes to shove and this becomes practical reality, uh, it's going to be very difficult to. I mean, it's going to be very difficult for any uh, for any military to do that. But to lay that to lay that doctrinal groundwork of what's right and what's wrong um, could you know could mean the difference between local commanders doing um, doing something that um, that allows them to have some sort of a connection with the local populace uh, in a way that they wouldn't if they maybe aren't 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 trained in this and are haven't been told over and over again that there's a moral you know a moral compass you need to you need to set your moral compass to this north star right. and try to uh, you know try to try to do your best to um, to, to be ethical as you go about doing this forage. Well, there's got to, you know, again, you've got to be able to tell the troops there's a right way to do it let, let, and train on that and then hope uh, it, it gets implemented as such. How long has this program been going on? And, and did you get a sense of, hey, we're going to do this, we've done it for a year or two, or not, and then we're going to stop? Or do you see this having enough legs? Well, so it started in 2014, actually, with um, the. Um, the the idea that the green green berets especially with with um, wanting to have wanting to have cooks who can help them uh, supplement uh, supplement their meals in when they're dealing with uh, dealing with deployments um, with local um, local troops in the countries they're deployed with uh, they want to have they want to supplement their meals with uh, with fresh meat and uh, to do it as healthily as possible and as hygienically as possible. And so the Green Berets have been doing this since 2014, teaching their their cooks. And you know, uh, when uh, cooks and some and support personnel who are with the Green Berets often aren't Green Berets; they're soldiers who have been tasked with supporting the Green Berets. And they've started sending their cooks through this course, and it's gone to uh, it was it's it's not uncommon for for Green Berets um, to to not necessarily be uh, be too happy about having to take cooks along uh, sometimes on <laughs> missions, right? Because hey, you know it's like maybe a wasted spot. Is this a member of the team? It's not even a Green Beret. What the heck? Um, and it's come to the point where the soldiers who have gone through these courses on how to do field butchery that uh, Green Beret teams are actually asking to take these soldiers along with them uh, because of the value add they have to the team by being able to be to, you know to be a full service a full service chef out there. Um, and with uh, you know some local dry goods, rice, beans, um, maybe some vegetables, you're able to get fresh meat, have it prepared um, uh, hygienically, and and you know tastes pretty good. Uh, so it's it doesn't look like this program's going away anytime soon with the Green Berets. Now, who knows what's going to happen with conventional forces, uh, with Marines and conventional Army units, if this idea of foraging is gonna is gonna get legs, but. 
um, there are there are a couple people, you know, there's there's some proponents for it in uh, in, in the services who are who are looking to to add it to curriculum and to doctrine. It's an interesting way to make uh, that aspect of feeding the troops maybe a little more nimble, maybe a little more combat effective in a, a particular local environment. Hey, Ben Kessling, uh, Wall Street Journal reporter. Great article, and thanks for sharing it with us here on Veterans Radio and, and giving us some of your insights. Absolutely. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Pretty cool concept. Uh, beats the heck out of MREs and SOS. I don't think the Space Force is going to have to worry about this, but uh, maybe field butchery is going to be used by all the other uh, branches. Uh, so our last segment is going to be brought to you by NVBDC, and it's uh, an artist that they ran into that they wanted to share. Welcome. I am Jim Fossone, and this is Veterans Radio Spotlight on National Veteran Business Development Council, NVBDC.org. As you know, if you've been listening, Veterans Radio America has a partnership with NVBDC, and we often bring you information that uh, they want passed along. The National Veteran Business Development Council is the nation's leading third-party authority for certification of veteran-owned businesses, really of all sizes. It's a 501c3 nonprofit established in 2013, and it addresses the growing need to identify and certify both service-disabled and veteran-owned businesses for the government and commercial marketplace. Uh, NVBDC administers a rigorous certification process designed to withstand the scrutiny of corporate and governmental entities seeking to utilize certified veteran-owned businesses. And their uh, CEO asked that uh, we here at Veterans Radio uh, interview and talk with an artist, uh, Jason Jones. Jason, welcome to Veterans Radio. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, we're great to have you, and this comes out of uh, Keith King at uh, NVBDC asking if he could use one of the songs that you uh, recently released at a, a national conference that NVBDC was holding with its business partners. He was so uh, really moved by the song and this experience, he said, uh, Hey, Jim, you got to talk to Jason. So, Jason, that's how we get here. Tell us a little bit about your background as a as an artist, a songwriter, a musician. Give give us the thumbnail. Well, um, I come from a musical family, and um, I just so I've just been around music, you know, all my life. My mom is a concert pianist. Uh, she played with symphony orchestras. Uh, my cousin uh, is a guitar player, um, and I uh, just got into it at a really young age. And uh, it's just been a great outlet for me to express myself. Um, yeah. well, you are a creative type, uh, and uh, that's you know one of those things that you can bring out in your creativity is sorting feelings and emotions through music. Uh, as an LA native, uh, you somehow got yourself around. Tell us about the frame of mind for how you wrote and thought about uh, this new song, For the Heroes, uh, which came out in front of Veterans Day 2022. Well, um, what happened was um, I, you know, during COVID, uh, you know, I saw what the first responders were going through and how scary it was. Um, I come from a military family. Uh, my brother's in the Air Force. My sister 
um, and joined the Army. Another brother, um, a uh, naval officer. And I just saw their struggles and what they go through, and I just wanted to find a way to say thank you uh, pretty much. Um, there were just different circumstances that were just close to my heart, and the song just pretty much wrote itself. Well, it takes us. <laughs> I I love the humility of guys who say, "I oh, just uh, just doing uh, took care of itself. It's just normal business." Yeah, it's more than that. I, I I recognize it, but it's interesting that it, the artistic part of this that you brought to the table had already been impacted or formed in some way because of your brother and your sister's services. In, and, and quite frankly, you got most of the services covered in the Air Force, the Army, and the Navy. Did you realize that was kind of all seeping into your DNA? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big part of who I am. Uh, my grandparents, uh, they taught for NATO, and uh, through them I was around a lot of military personnel, and I'd visit my brother on base once in a while, uh, my Air Force brother and my Navy brothers. So uh, I pretty much got a real good snapshot into what their lives are like. And when they came out of the service, um, I think that the National Veterans Business Development Council uh, really touched me uh, because I see so many veterans out there, you know, they they come out of the service and they they need a helping hand. And I think that... uh, the National Veterans Business Development Council um, is just a great place for them to, to find what they need, you know, to grow and start their own businesses. So yeah. I'm just 100% on board for it. Jason, what uh, describe for us the style of music you normally write and, and play and, and uh, then transition into this particular song uh, for the heroes, which uh, I think has a bit of a different spin. Well, um, I been writing a lot of music for film and TV as a composer. Um, I played out live um, quite a bit um, uh, with a band called Humanity, and I just personally just uh, really started getting into country music um, uh, because it really tells stories with, with the lyrics, and it just the, the the more I would listen, the more it would touch my heart because it's so down to earth and so real. And so I just became a country fan, and this song just kind of wrote itself and came out in the country vein. Yeah, I, I thought maybe it would like hit that from because it's as you say, country music is all about storytelling. And for those of us, for those of us who are in awe that you guys have the talent to do this, what comes first, the the the, the lyrics? The chords, the melody, how, how does this get uh, assembled together? Well, it's not always the same uh, path uh, that leads to the destination. Uh, in this case, um, I literally just started writing, and I just started thinking about, you know, I have a close friend uh, that is a veteran uh, that is actually going for treatment at um, the Veterans Hospital at the VA, and um, I saw how he came out of the service and he's he's really going through some stuff emotionally but he's really a good guy and so that's kind of where that started as far as the first uh, part of the lyrics and I started thinking on a larger scope about how the world 
is in such turmoil. Everyone's talking about war and not talking about peace anymore. Everyone just seems to be ramped up to fight. And I just think, you know, we need a worldwide blessing. We need, we just need more peace in the world. And I'm grateful for the military because without the military, we wouldn't have any peace. We would just have absolute chaos in this world because there's just a lot of bad actors out there. Oh, absolutely, and there's many in the who, who view their job in the military as peacekeepers, but they're the, they're the ones who keep the evil away from the door. And, and you have a line that I want you to talk a little bit about in the in the song for the heroes. And the line is, "This is for the heroes that you never see on TV, the unsung heroes, everyday celebrities." You know, that's exactly what it is. It's it's those people that are the real celebrities. The real celebrities are not the people that you're seeing on television all the time that you have corporations pushing. Um, it's the people that every day are in the trenches risking their lives for us. It's those people that are going into the fires um, and pulling people out and risking their own lives. And some of them, unfortunately, even lose their lives to save others. And, and that's what it's all about. I well, think more attention needs to be given to those everyday people, those everyday heroes. Deadbeat daddy never gave a dime Came home from the war out of his mind Stays drunk and high Still a good guy Ran to the firing line And pulled aside in the nick of time This is for the heroes That you never see on TV The unsung Celebrities This is for the heroes That you never 
hope you enjoyed Jason M. Jones's piece, uh, giving some uh, love to everyday heroes or veterans. And uh, thanks for NVBDC bringing that to us. We want to appreciate that. Let me close up by thanking our VSOs, the Vietnam Veterans of America, Charles S. Kells chapter, the Graf O'Hara VFW post, and the American Legion Irwin Prescott post in Ann Arbor. They help keep us on the air. You can do the same by going to veteransradio.net and supporting what we do by donating, whether you're an individual or a corporation, or if you'd like to be a corporate sponsor or contact us, we'd love, love to have you and continue on what we're doing as we move into our 20th year on Veterans Radio. You can always uh, to keep track of us at on our Facebook site and uh, certainly on veteransradio.net. Uh, I'm Jim Fossone. Dale Throneberry will be back next week with more exciting stories, uh, interesting pieces from folks. And until next time, you are dismissed. <laughs>